If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the car cast of USC's 38-27 win over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. We're back here on Randy Troy Radio, live on YouTube. Uh, to talk about the Trojans' win, they are now 11-1. and They have the Heisman... Con- Front runner in Caleb Williams. They just beat their rivals. They just finished the no loss November. They went four and zero against the rivals, Notre Dame, UCLA. They had beaten Cal and Stanford already. This is everything that USC wants to be in year one, really in any year, and they've done it in year one in the Lincoln Rally era. We're going to talk about tonight's game and so much more here on this episode. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, journalist, with my co-host Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Alicia, what a win for SC. Did, like, SC wins 38-27 in a game that's, first of all, probably the quickest game of the year. Did it not feel like it went by in just, like, an absolute breeze? The first half felt like 15 minutes. Yes. In full. Um, the second half, I think, dragged on a little bit, and that was just because it got to that point just nervy enough feeling of like I'm comfortable with USC being up by 10, but also the defense wasn't really doing much of a job to stop, uh, to stop USC. So to stop Notre Dame. And so the, the, the second half sort of dragged on, especially once USC started getting all those penalties on offense. And it was just like, just put the game away already. Uh, but in terms of just a game that, USC, I think, controlled from start to finish. Yeah. There wasn't really a that panic quarter or that panic half quarter or anything like that that made things drag on, I think, the way that they that they did before because USC was either chasing something or had stumbled to a point where the other team was right back on them. Yeah. It never really felt that way. So the whole second half second half to me was just USC running out the clock. Well, really the whole game. I mean, you, you look at the, the number of plays. SC runs 61, uh, 61 plays uh, of total offense in this game. Uh, you look at the numbers all year. 
Um, 58 plays against Rice. Every other game is more than 61 plays. This is the the fewest since the the first week of the year. And first week of the year, they had three pick sixes. That's the reason why they didn't have that many offensive plays. Tonight was just about a kind of the the slow pl- plotting game. It, it went by so much quicker because there were just so few drives in this game. Notre Dame, case in point, had three real drives in the first half. Uh, they they punted. Uh, they they turned it over on fourth down and then had a, had a touchdown on in the the first half on those on those three drives. Whereas SC in the first half had a touchdown, field goal, punt, touchdown. Uh, were able to take a good lead into the half. Really turn this game in the the middle eight, which in this one wasn't exactly the middle eight because the time just completely ran away. It was mostly like the middle 12. I mean, we're used to USC games where there's, you know, four possessions a quarter because USC and UCLA are going back and forth very quickly scoring. Right. Where in this game, the drive lengths were USC had drives of 424, 451, 245, 540 in the first half. Uh, Notre Dame had drives of 210, 430, 453. Like it was just every drive sort of felt like it was, it's not that the drives were moving slowly. It's just there wasn't a lot of explosiveness in it, I guess. Yeah, it was It was a game in which, you know, the, the, both teams kind of took the air out of the ball. Notre Dame was going to do that from the beginning. That was just what Notre Dame's MO is. And I think for SC, that kind of played into their hand. This reminded me a lot of the Fresno State game, where in that game, SC jumps out to a 20, was it 21 nothing, a 21-7 lead where they score on the first three drives. Yeah. And they just maximize their first three drives. That's when we talked about the great dip, digger yeah. offense of SC digging your grave, throwing you in it, and then you're behind the game having to chase. That's essentially what SC did in Notre Dame, albeit a little bit different. Uh, SC goes up 10 nothing. From that point, Notre Dame has a chance to sort of get back in it in the second quarter. Doesn't work out because SC scores right before the half. Uh, the, and it finishes off a drive with 34 seconds left in the in in the half on a 10 play 75 yard touchdown drive, right before the half, they score. Notre Dame comes out with the ball. Um, SC leading 17 seven at the half comes out and their first drive. Notre Dame is absolutely driving seven plays 49 yards until they absolutely turn it over. Um, a unforced turnover. We've talked about turnover luck before, and I know that turnover luck has been bandied about about SC a lot this year. And rightfully so, to some degree, I think it's been a little bit overplayed in a lot of senses. Well, the turnover luck was on SC's side with that fumble. Completely not forced. Drew Pine just messes up the mesh, uh, the mesh point. Railing Goforth just picks it up. And what does SC do? They come down, and it is, I, I put it at the time, it was the dagger drive because it felt like it. Mm-hmm. SC comes immediately down seven plays, 74 yards, uh, knocking it off with, with 253. Uh, and by that time, they were well past the middle eight, but it was essentially the same thing as the middle eight. And they've jumped to a 24 7 lead. And just like we talked about with the Notre Dame, I was sorry, the UCLA game last week, once you go up 10 points and and keep furthering that and you're at 17 points especially for an, a Notre Dame um offense that lacks sort of that explosive element you you put them on their back heel and for a team that wasn't able to run the ball effectively 
like a lot of people wanted Notre Dame to in this game, that took away the run. It took away their dependence um, on their running game. It forced Drew Pine to sort of look down the chamber of trying to find Michael Mayer on every single play. And you can sort of live. You can live with him eating up with, with Michael Mayer when you're up 17 because you can trade scores. Notre Dame wasn't stopping FC at that point. Well, and that's what we said in the preview, right? It was that um, Drew Pine was not the the style of quarterback that had given USC fits this year. And if he was going to have a game, it was going to be by following the uh, Jack Plummer sort of mode of, of, yeah. of play. And that didn't make me fear him that much because Jack, what Jack Plummer did was the best that he has looked all season, but it still wasn't good enough to keep up with this USC offense. Right. And that's essentially what we saw in the preview. When I talked about who I was going to pick to win this game, I said, it comes down to me, Caleb Williams versus Drew Pine, because both defenses were going to ultimately have trouble stopping somebody. And it was going to be which quarterback was going to come through. Caleb Williams came through. Drew Pine played literally about as well as he could have, bar the interception. The mesh, the, the the fumble was just one of those weird sort of things that happens in a football game. Right. And he got unlucky on that one. But when you think about the way that he played, he played about as well as he could have. I think if you had told Notre Dame fans his stat line going into the game, they would have taken your bitten your hand off to get it. And it wasn't enough because it takes so much more than that to beat this USC team. This game played out, for all intents and purposes, exactly the way that you and I predicted it. My score prediction was thirty-eight, was thirty-nine, twenty-eight. Your score prediction was something in that area too. Yeah, I, I'm. I want to say that at some points well, I wrote down. It. I changed mine so many on, on Wednesday before we did the episode. I want to say at one point it, it might have been thirty-eight, twenty-seven. I'm not going to take credit for that, but it, this was in the realm of what this game should have been the whole time. Yes, right? which is well, and this is one of the other things that I wanted to to bring up was there was this whole conversation before the the week before the game about how like Notre Dame was going to run all over USC and that was going to be the thing that was going to hurt USC and all that. And like, I looked at it and thought that's not what this defense has been. They've been more vulnerable against teams with dynamic quarterbacks who could make plays by extending plays and receivers downfield who could catch the ball. Yeah. And that's what we saw Notre Dame do. We saw them be able to have a quarterback who got the ball out quickly enough to negate USC's, uh, uh, pass rush, get the ball to receivers who made good catches and take advantage of USC's sort of soft zone coverage. But like when it came down to it, it was still always going to be a question of number one, would USC force the turnovers that gave their offense the cushion that they needed to then run away with things? And number two, would Caleb Williams or someone on USC's team make the devastating mistake? And we never saw that happen. The great equalizer that we talked about in the preview was what? It was special teams. Yeah. Well, kudos to USC and their not special teams coach for basically saying, all right, Notre Dame blocks kicks. We don't trust our special teams unit. So we're going to have our quarterback pooch punt as many times as he as as, as they force him to. And it worked. Yeah. And, it, and it takes away the special teams angle for Notre Dame as well. So like everything about this game played out the way that we sort of expected it to play out. I don't expect games to play out the way that I expect them to play out very often. So, yeah. you know, that that's just sort of one of the, one of the things that happens, but um, 
this was can can I say that this was the most complete performance from start to finish from USC against a decent opponent this year? I, I think so. This was of the of the upper of say the the top half of the schedule of the teams that you think could have you know given SC a game or beaten SC on, on their day. Um, Oregon State. Um, this is a better performance than SC played against Oregon State. Yes, well, because Caleb Williams wasn't yeah throwing the ball to nobody right yeah um utah i i think this was a better performance against than against utah because sc holds michael mayer um not in check but they, they put it in, they controlled this game to put it to where michael mayer wasn't allowed to beat them he could get his yards he could get his production it wasn't going to be in a situation where that was going to be what ended up to kill them in the end right yeah just don't let him have 200 yards yeah exactly um uh ucla was this a better game all around than the ucla game better start usc's start in this game was what you needed against ucla probably more efficient sc didn't leave leave points on the board the same way it was the ideal start to me though because if you look at just the drive charts right usc starts with only 10 points obviously you want the touchdown but yeah it was two stops on defense two scores on offense and with that that 10 point cushion that we talked about once USC had it that's why they controlled the game yeah exactly and you you put this all together and I think the SC played the game that you absolutely wanted to see Caleb Williams uh solidifies his role as the Heisman front runner at this point uh I didn't think he'd become the front runner I thought that he would you know work his way into into going to New York and come back and set himself up for a run next year? No. Uh, C.J. Stroud did not look good in the game this morning. Um, Bryce Young is playing on an Alabama team that suddenly is on the back burner. Um, I know that he's having a great season. He's having a great season, but a very under the radar. But season. The, the hardest thing to do is to repeat as a Heisman winner. Yeah, and you got to wow them again. And yes, and you to have do. to like compete against what he did last year, right? Yeah. Um. And you look at all the other guys. I mean, Max Duggan's there, um, but uh, and then Hooker is hurt. Um, Corum is hurt. Corum is hurt. Drake May is kind of you know not in the spotlight. There's everything played into Caleb Williams' hand. Uh, and then you go back to what the committee wanted to see from SC this week was defense, and I think they did that. I really do think they did that. They held Notre Dame to 27 points. Uh, there was a garbage time touchdown in there, but even if you give Notre Dame a true tw- all 27 points, which I think you probably should, given that the there was the turnover in the third quarter that was completely unforced by SC. Just assume they score there anyways mm-hmm. um, and don't have the garbage time. You end up at the same score. SC's defense looked competent tonight, I thought. Um, competent enough um, for what this team is. Um, just understand the expectations of that this defense is limited. Yes. Well, and that's what I, I, it was really funny because on Twitter, there were some sort of national names who were tweeting about like uh, when, um, when Notre Dame started, I forget which drive it was, but at, at the certain point where they'd scored a couple drives in the, uh, in the second half to sort of keep close with USC. There was a lot of people talking about how like people haven't been staying up late enough to watch USC to understand what this defense is. And I think that's my takeaway. USC does not have a good defense. What they have is a defense that is effective in the way that their offense needs it to be. 
and yes. it has been in all but one game. The Utah game is the one exception where the defense didn't get the stop uh, when they needed it, and the offense didn't get the the score when they needed it, and that sort of balance between those two didn't work out. But when you look at this defense, they got the two stops to start on the first two drives. They get a punt. They they force a punt immediately, and then they get a turnover on downs, which is a really good stop. Mm -hmm. They limit a Notre Dame rush defense that everyone was saying would run all over USC. They limit them to 90 total yards. They limit them to 3.5 yards per carry. They did not let Notre Dame run all over them. And I think you and I can both agree that this was very much a, we always talk about like Clancy Pendergast doing that whole, we're going to take one thing away from you thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's exactly what this performance was. USC decided they were not going to have Notre Dame run all run all over them. They were going to force Drew Pine to beat them. And Drew Pine rose to the occasion in, in the way that he was capable of doing it. He had a good game. It didn't matter, though. Yes, it didn't matter because that's what USC was banking on. USC was banking on, I think just like with the uh, DTR, USC was banking on the idea that, um, that if uh, if – Drew Pine was going to be the one that was in control of the ball, just like if DTR was going to be the one that was in control of the ball, that they were going to um, make a mistake at a certain point. And that's exactly what Drew Pine did. Drew Pine had an interception, and it was costly, and you could sort of see that coming, just the way the same way that you could see the DTR thing coming, where turnovers were going to be a thing. And this defense, it's yes, they give up a lot of yards. They give up 408 yards to Notre Dame. When you're when you're USC, when you're us, right? When you're looking at this game, you're thinking, yeah, give up all the yards you want, force the two turnovers that you need to force, and your offense will outscore you, outscore the other side. Yeah, that might not work against someone like Georgia, probably won't. Might not work against someone like Michigan, maybe we don't know. But uh, the fact of the matter is that this defense is what it is, and I think people just need to like accept what it is. And then stop sort of being surprised when they give up a million yards, but also get an interception and force a, a, a fumble and then have everyone talk about how, oh, the turnover magic, the turnover luck. And it's like, after 12 games, it's not luck anymore. It means you are in the right place at the right time and doing things right enough to force those those turnovers. Yeah, I, I think, you know, a couple of things. I think, one, you create your own luck to a degree. Um the other thing is you can be fortunate and, you know, pick up a ball that is absolutely fumbled in front of you. You've got to still capitalize on it. And that's what SC did in this game. They capitalized on that, on the one unforced turnover um, in the other one, uh, the, the killing Bullock interception. That's SC forcing Drew Pine to make a bad throw. He yes. makes a bad read. He misses his guy who's wide open down the sideline, ends up throwing the interception right to Kalen Bullock, who reads it perfectly uh, on his receiver doing the scramble drill um, and trying to come back to the ball. And that's what you want. That's what you want your defense to be. And there, there was a comment in the, in the chat that I just missed that would said, instead of saying this defense is just good enough, they're not bad enough to cost them the game. That's a really, really good. Uh, it, yes. It, it, a bit of semantics. And yes. I, but I think that that is, that is the case. And when you have an offense that is this reliably good, and now they've done it against a wide range of defenses to the point where I think against just about anybody you can expect that SC is going to score at least 38 points, right? Um, Notre Dame, we, we talked about probably 
one of the best two or three defenses SC has played all year. Mm-hmm. They still scored 38 points and almost scored on every drive. Yes. And if they're going to do that to even the really good defenses, you're, it takes away the pressure on the defense in the sense of they don't need to get stops every, every, every single drive. And, you know, the great irony is that if, if SC's defense was just purely average, if they were purely average, if they held teams to 20 points, um, you know, 22, 23 points a game, uh, if they got a few more stops per game, then this team absolutely could be, you know, who knows, maybe SC's 12-0 and 0 right now. Uh, maybe SC is number one in the country right now. Like, all those things. I mean, how wild would that be? But, but on the flip side... We've, we've talked about this before. We had this conversation, you know, last week. <laughs> SC, is a, SC is in a stance where, you know, we might not say that they are in the caliber of the playoff teams that we remember, like the the, the ones, the, the, the champions. Because mm-hmm. we always think of the champions, right? That's true. No yeah. one ever thinks of the, the Michigan State team that lost 38 to nothing, right? Yes. But when you look back on it, yes, SC is undoubtedly one of the four best teams this year. I think it's going to end up being one of the four best teams this year as long as they take care of their business in the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. Uh, And the crazy thing is the more that SC continues to do this, the more I think they have a chance in one of those games. I know, right? And and so, like, we we sit here – or we sat here before and said that, you know, SC's going to get – what was that, a month ago, you had the argument that, oh, they shouldn't even get in. Just just hope that SC gets to the Rose Bowl instead. Yeah, I wanted it, to avoid it, the playoff. Ignore the first round blowout, right? Um, and then you got to the point where it's like, no, you want to get into the playoff to, to just prove that you can get in there. And in year one under Lincoln Riley, you can live with whatever happens in year one. Um, and now that it gets to the point where I'm like, Georgia struggled with Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm played with their food for a significant part of that game. And they've done that all season, by the way. Yes. Michigan, Michigan is 12-0. and I think Michigan is a very good team. I think Michigan is more similar to Notre Dame in terms of style. Mm-hmm. And Michigan is just a very, very good Notre Dame team. Not unbeatable. In, in the sense that they play very disciplined. They they're gonna want to run the ball. They're I mean, who knows? Maybe today they're gonna want to pass the ball. They're, right? they're well coached enough to understand when. Like yes. Michigan beats Ohio State because they understand we need to beat them over the top. We need to challenge their secondary, yeah. and then they went out and did it. But is Michigan gonna keep you up at night because of the playmakers that they have? No. Unlike Ohio State, no. And then you look at TCU, and I don't want to say that TCU is absolutely a team that SC would beat because oh, that would be such a fun game. In, in, in a big, in a true like Big Ten, I mean, sorry, Big Twelve style of play, the TCU USC game in the Big Twelve championship would be so fun to watch. Yes, and I don't know who would win that game to be yeah, honest. It would be it would be insane, but it would be insane. First to sixty wins, absolutely. But like SC, I think at this point. Is going to be like if Has they a get puncher's there, chance. They, they're going to have a puncher's chance to at least do something and not embarrass them to themselves. And for me, just to be able to say that in year one under Lincoln Riley, when going into this season, if you would have told me that they were four and eight again, mm-hmm. or if they were 11 and one, I like I would have, I would believe you, 
but I'd be very skeptical of like anything because the whole wide range is there. We've seen it all across college football history. Year one is such a crapshoot. Yes. Especially with all the with all the guys that they brought in on the transfer portal. I understand why people wanted to to buy in immediately, but that there was also reasons to question everything. Yeah. It was a whole new team. And they finished 11 and 1 in the regular season. 11 and 1 in the regular season. They're going to be a top 4 ranked team going into yeah. the Pac-12 title game. They're going to probably be favored in the Pac-12 title game whoever they play. Whether it's Oregon or Utah, and we're going to find that out um, late tonight because the Apple Cup decides if Washington wins, then Utah goes. If Washington loses, then Oregon goes. So um, the fact of the matter is that this team has this team has convinced me in a way that I didn't. I mean, I've been pound, I've been I've been banging that drum the whole time about a. I didn't want to go to the playoff because I didn't want to get embarrassed. And then to, you know, saying, I don't feel like this team is a playoff team, which just doesn't feel like a playoff team. Yeah. But I think that that they have now given us enough proof with victories in games against difficult opponents, UCLA and Notre Dame being vastly different, difficult opponents and yeah. being able to live up and match against both of those to look at this season and say, every team out there is very flawed. And USC is one point, one two point conversion in Salt Lake City away from being an undefeated team, just like Michigan, just like Georgia, just like TCU. And then looking at what you've I've seen from Alabama, from Ohio State, from Clemson and Oregon and all of these teams, yeah, USC deserves to be there. And and Lincoln Riley has proven that he deserves a chance to go out and see and see who he can play punch in the face and, and get away. Um, Caleb Williams has proven that he is a caliber of quarterback. Metaphorically. Me- metaphorically, metaphorically. Yes, metaphorically. Um, Caleb Williams is a caliber of quarterback beyond even what we expected him to be. Yeah. I think that when he transferred to USC, I thought he could win the Heisman in 2023. Yeah. He could go to the NFL right now and be better than a lot of starting NFL quarterbacks. Like that's how amazing he is. That's how close to Patrick Mahomes level that he is. And for, for me, I did need to see him against Notre Dame. I did need to see him against a better defense because what he had done against Oregon state and Washington state was less than what we had seen from him against the other sort of weaker defenses in the, in the, in the, um, on the schedule aside from Utah which he absolutely lit up Utah and Utah has a good defense, uh, but Utah is also a, sort of a weird team. I needed to see what he could do against Notre Dame and what he did against Notre Dame was exceptional. It, th- the kid is just exceptional. The kid is incredible. The kid is amazing. And beyond that, beyond that too, this game proved that USC and we've known this all season, but it sort of solidified is not even close to a one dimensional offense. Because they can hand the ball off to Austin Jones 25 times and he can get 154 yards. Yeah. And an, an average 6.2 yards a carry that was a very true to life average, by the way. He was getting four to six yards a carry. Yeah. To be able to have those guys. I mean, and oh my gosh, I'm just looking. Jeez. Have you looked at the USC receiving chart right now for this game? Just how Absurd. deep it is. I'm going to read this out for you for, for, for the folks at home. <laughs> 
Mario Williams led USC in receptions with four. He had 37 yards. Yeah. Jordan Addison had three catches for 45 yards. Taj Washington had three catches for 34 yards. Lake McCree had two catches for 37 yards. Uh, Relique Brown had two catches for 24 yards. Brendan Rice had one catch for 25 yards. Austin Jones had one for 16. Michael Jackson III had one for nine. And Kyle Ford had one for five, which, by the way, that was very impressive five. Spreading the ball around like that against the Notre Dame defense that is one of the better pass defenses that USC has faced all year. They have good defensive back, and they were giving USC's receivers a hard time. To be able to have Jordan Addison and Mario Williams limited to 45 and 37 yards and still be able to get three, two, one catches from that deep of a group. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's another mistake-free night. Um, how many how how many turnover-free games SC has had? Uh, Caleb, technically nine, but I really ten. I figured it out. Caleb Williams has impossibly strong hands. <laughs> how Caleb Williams did not fumble the ball when what who was it? Uh, Michael Jackson and must have been Austin Jones or somebody collided in Barlow Barlow collided in the center of him in the mid, like they both were trying to get the hand off of that ball. The even better one is the, the touchdown touchdown. run he has where it was the really late pull in the, in the the replay in front of, of Austin Jones, you can see the ball in his hands and yet he pulls it all the way out of Austin Jones hands and still takes it to run. On, on one of Caleb Williams's uh, three rushing scores tonight. Um, absolutely incredible. A, really a, a just about perfect performance from, from Caleb Williams in terms of efficiency. Uh, 19, sorry, 18 of 22, uh, passing 232 yards, a touchdown, no picks, passer rating of a buck 85.4, just, just about one of his better games on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then running nine of 35, long of 19, which was that crazy scramble run that I, I like how Kirk Herbstreet did the did the replay with the, the oh yeah with, the with yardage the, with the yardage and it was 80 was 81.6 yards or something that yeah. he ran on that play. Yeah, insane. But really, to me, this was about the efficiency. Like Essie just managed this game so perfectly, not only to get the separation there in the middle of the game. Uh, around halftime, scoring the touchdowns before and after, and and the turnover, getting the turnover on the, the first drive of the third quarter for the Irish, but not turning over the ball again. Uh, nine, uh, not officially nine games out of twelve. SC did not turn the ball over. Realistically, ten. Um, in the twelve games this regular season, USC did not lose a single fumble. J- mind you, a little lucky because Jordan Addison fumbles on the second drive and then somehow gets it back for a split second before it's taken away from. So the, the, the margin is super razor thin there, but I see just doing the little things. And before we turn this over to open up the questions here live on YouTube, and before we do that, be sure to like the video, uh, follow us and, and um, subscribe to us here on YouTube. We'll be back with more content as always over and over again. Uh, during the season and even after the season as well. Uh, we won't have a fallout episode on Monday, by the way, uh, but we will be back on Wednesday to preview the Pac-12 championship game against either 
Oregon or Utah. We still don't know. At the time of recording here, the Apple Cup's still going on, so that's still up in the air. But before we turn over to the YouTube questions, Elisa, I wanted to uh, run down some people really quick who could have been players of the game tonight. Um, Eric Gentry. Good to have him back. Big, big opportunity for him to get back on the field. Not only did he, like, he came in, what, the second drive, mm-hmm. I think? Yeah, he didn't start. And played almost the full game, but not quite. Led SC in, t- in tackles with total t- tackles with nine. I uh, had seven solo tackles, a forced fumble. He was... He wasn't the the out and out difference maker that that you want to see early on, but for a guy coming off of an injury, it's exactly what you want to see. Yes, I mean, and and it's proof that having him there is a great help to USC's defense. Yeah, um, and you know, you just you look forward to seeing what he's going to continue to become as yeah. he matures, as he has more. Uh, more muscle and starts to look a little bit less like a lanky giraffe. Uh, but getting him back is a, is a huge stabilizing force for his defense, especially with Raylan Goforth going down injured. Right. So it's not like the depth that uh, linebacker is getting better, but it feels good to have him back and it feels good to know that you can rely on him. Yeah. And then we got to go to Austin Jones. Incredible. 25 carries 154 yards long of 24. He averaged 6.2 yards per carry. We talked about we've really talked about the whole last couple of months. The rushing game for USC is elite on a per play basis. Tonight it was just flat out elite. Um, SC two hundred and four yards rushing, four touchdowns, uh, three of those from from Caleb Williams, of course. Another one from really Brown, but you know SC loses Travis Dye against Colorado. It looks like you you could think that that was going to be the, the backbreaking moment that could cost SC its, its chances mm-hmm. at, at the conference and, and, and maybe more than that. And here comes Austin Jones, a, a guy who had, what was it, 17 carries over the previous six games. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't getting on the field in at all. critical times. No. He was getting garbage time no. touches because they didn't trust him in pass blocking. Yeah. And – he was arguably SC's best player, not named Caleb Williams against UCLA and against Notre Dame, 25 carries, 154 yards. And those are hard earned yards. How many times do you just keep churning his legs and just get more and more yards? His vision on, on almost every run, he was just finding the little hole to slid through. He looks like he's been the starter the whole time. That's what I put on Twitter. I like, Give this man all the credit in the world because I said the doghouse. Some people took offense to me saying the doghouse. We don't know what he, he certainly wasn't in the pecking order enough to be splitting reps with Travis Dyer, even getting, you know, a third of of two thirds uh, of reps to, 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 to to dies, two thirds reps or anything like that. He was not playing. We were asking, where is Austin Jones? Have we even seen him in this game kind of stuff? He was not playing. And the moment that Travis Dye goes down, USC turns to him and he looks like he's been the number one guy all along. He looks like the most confident, sure of himself running back that you have seen. Like it just, the being able to step up that way, it was the equivalent of what um, the receivers did when Jordan Addison and Mario Williams went down. Looking like, okay, we're not going to skip a beat because we've got these guys in there. Um, 
that's what USC has available to it. And you have to credit Austin Jones so much for rising to that occasion and making it feel like USC isn't, isn't even missing their number one running back. It's astounding. Like I cannot speak highly enough of him. It, it's, it's, it's awesome. Awesome. Awesome to see. And I also think, you know, I think I saw somebody in the, in the chats, you know, put in all caps, like culture. I think it was Michael uh, Velasquez in, in, in all caps saying culture. It feels like the culture of this team does have that mentality. We saw it with Darwin Bar- Darwin yep. Barlow. We saw it with the wide receivers. Um, we saw linebackers come in and do their best <laughs> when the injuries happen, but yeah. you can only do so much. Like we've seen guys step up left and right, and uh, and that is the culture of this team. That is the the expectation of the team, and they're living up to it. It's it's just it's wonderful. Yeah, and and really, we talk about tonight being sort of an amalgamation of everything this season. Solomon Bird have another. Mm-hmm. Um, big impact. He has a sack tonight. And you can see what that um, meant to him too. Like yeah. he was, he was excited about that one. Yeah. Uh, Julius Apollo had a sack right before the half. Uh, you said if that would have been the strip sack right there. <laughs> yes. Right before the half, he could have really made the dagger uh, and put it, put it in before the half, which would have been crazy. Um, two touchdowns in the final minute of the first half would have, you know, surely killed off the game potentially right there. But Everyone came to, to play tonight. Um, Jordan Addison had his moment with that with that scramble drill um, where he just sort of hid, hid along the sideline. Yeah. Caleb Williams scrambled, 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 and then Jordan Addison There's was Jordan wide Addison open. Uh, Todd Washington, a couple great catches. Oh, Lake McCree with the lead. hurdled a dude. Yeah. Yeah. What's not to uh, – so, okay, here's the thing. This team is just so lovable. I think that's why I've been converted to screw it, put them in the playoff and let's see what they can do. And obviously they still need to to go out and win the Pac-12. That's easier said than done. No matter who they play, it's going to be difficult. Um, a revenge game against Utah is what I'm personally rooting for because I just love the narrative there. Yeah. Um, and I think USC's in the playoff either way. I don't I don't think LSU's loss means that USC doesn't need the highest ranked Pac-12 opponent that they can possibly have in that game i want i want the revenge game against utah personally um but like this team i'm going into that pac-12 title game feeling confident no matter who it is that usc is going to play yeah because this team has showed us so much because this team has so many dudes that we've just seen somebody in the chat said like wow it was brendan rice who made a play the crazy thing about brendan rice by the way is he's been making plays all season the Brendan Rice experience has not been inability to make plays. Right. The Brendan Rice experience has, experience has been one massive, costly drop every single game and then two or three catches that are great. You know what I liked about the Brendan Rice thing? He he got benched. Kyle um, Ford played. Uh, Kyle Ford got way. his reps tonight yes. and did what people have been calling for. Kyle Ford was playing um, – Almost all all game long, he was out there on a billion snaps. It felt like we didn't see Brendan Rice uh, for most of the game. Mm-hmm. They brought him in uh, later on. He gets a critical third down late in the Huge. game, and r- really on the same exact play we had seen before. Which I, I thought Kirk was great on the broadcast to, to highlight it. Where you've got it, it's a four by one. You got four receivers to the left, one to one to the right, and you put all the attention on one side. And then you just have to win a one-on-one battle the other way. And they put all of the, not only did they take away Brendan Rice's reps, 
but they put all the faith in the world on him to be that guy, to be that guy in that moment on third down. And he made the play. Yes. And I thought, I think not to say that we're in there to know what is being said in, in the wide receiver room or anything, but like, to me, that's a sign of good coaching mm-hmm. to know that you are going to, you know, maybe take away some, some opportunities of a guy and, and boost another guy up a little bit uh, and sort of manage your talent a little bit that way and try to develop it, someone, but you're still going to have the faith in them for when it, when you need that third down, when Notre Dame is trying to make something of this game late in the fourth quarter to say, no, we're going back to the guy who we took his reps away, but we still believe in him. And that was that catch that he made was exactly the kind of catch he had been dropping. Yeah, he makes the catch, makes it, his it guy miss. It was one of those miss. ones where he has to catch it and then turn up field. And yes. he had been sort of doing things out of order. And, you know, in the chat, a lot of people talking, yes, Kyle Ford still deserves to start over Brendan Rice. Yes. But what a luxury USC happens that, that USC has that they can have Kyle Ford take over that role and still turn to Brendan Rice in a matter in, in a moment that that matters. What a luxury USC has that Taj Washington can be this sort of completely under the radar playmaker that just comes up with right. at least two. Taj Washington is good for two damn Taj kind of plays every single game. And, and then he will like vanish and you won't see him again. But those two plays are, cre- are incredible for USC. This is a terrible analogy for Brendan Rice, but Petey. He's Petey. Not, not exactly Petey. Not exactly Petey. Not exactly Petey. But what what happened with Coach Boone? He he takes Petey out of the game. Mm-hmm. But he still had faith in Petey to, yeah. to go back to Petey when he needed to go back to Petey. Yeah. He went to Petey when he needed to go to Petey. And USC goes to Brendan Rice when they need him. They go to Kyle Ford when they need him. They go to Michael Jackson when they need him. They go to Relique Brown when they need him. Um, they go to, you know, the, the, the wide receiver stats that I just read off shows that everyone is available for when USC needs them. And it doesn't matter whether you're the number one guy like Jordan Addison, who apparently was, was uh, dealing with illness tonight. So yeah. um, again, more kudos to everybody else. Sound who, like he was on the brat diet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm familiar with that one, but uh, it's not fun. Um, but you know, we even saw like Mario Williams had that flashy little, little, sort of stutter step that he did to, to break free. Like Mario Williams can break yep. out for that kind of play. USC doesn't need a number one wide receiver to go off against a team the way that Jordan Addison went off against UCLA or other receivers have gone off in other games. They can just rely on a 10 deep wide receiver core or receiving core with the running backs and tight ends in there. Yeah, exactly. So, so many, so many great players, um, you know, showed out tonight, total team win for SC. That's what you wanted to see. Uh, in the 12th game of the season, one yes. that was huge, even if it had nothing to do with the Pac-12, had everything to do with SC's ability to go to the playoff. And, you know, maybe if they use, lose to UCLA, this is a different feeling coming into this game. But mm-hmm. SC rides the the win over the Bruins into this one and ultimately is able to get the win there. All right. Let's get to a bunch of questions that we got over on YouTube. We'll run through these. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. 
There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Alicia, first question on YouTube. Who's the MVP? Williams or Jones? Oh, it's Kayla Williams. It's Kayla Williams. And, you know, I love Austin Jones. I will sing his praises. But Kayla Williams is not playing the same sport as the other people on the field with him. I feel bad for the other team because I think to myself, Kayla Williams is exactly the quarterback that would have made me in the past just want to, you know, fall onto the ground and just not watch anymore. Because what he does is so demoralizing to a defense. It's how calm he does everything it's, for me. He'll, he'll be in the pocket and, you know, there was that one play where he, he just is in the pocket for too long and it collapses mm-hmm. into a sack. But the whole time, you're like, he's going to get out of this. He's just yeah. going to get out. Like, y- you, just, you just have this sense of, like, he's going to get out of this. And then on top of that, he is not Reggie Bush. I, I I need to preface this. He's not Reggie Bush. Uh, there is nobody who will ever be Reggie Bush as far as I'm concerned. We'll see it maybe uh, in the year 3000. I don't know. There, until there's another Reggie Bush, I will believe it. Um, Adoree Jackson, as great as he could be, not Reggie Bush. Caleb Williams, as great as he is, not Reggie Bush. However... When he has the ball in his hands, 
you get that same feeling anything as, as when Reggie Bush had the ball, where yeah. it's I mean it's not exactly the same, but it's pretty close. Uh, I put on 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 Twitter it's in the same area code. It's like you you know that anything could happen. That long run where he scrambled for the eighty one yards or whatever. I expected him to get to the end zone on that run. Like... I thought he was going to get in the end zone. <laughs> yes, and the whole time you're sitting there like, oh, oh, oh no, no, oh, oh, oh. Uh, we, we were watching the the the, uh, the, the game with uh, with your friend John, and he was he was saying like the whole time he was running, I thought he was going to fumble. I was so afraid, and I'm like, yes. That's the Caleb Williams experience, except that that man has the strongest hands in the history of the universe. Yes. He never fumbles. Yeah, he's the, he's the anti-Sam Darnold. How many fumbles would Darnold Every, have had yes. if he ran the ball as much or in the same way as uh, as Caleb Williams? It's insane. And yeah. really, in hindsight, it's like, and this is not to dismirch, um, you know, Lord Dar- Darnold himself, but Darnold was incredible, and he we, made... we watched Sam Darnold, and we were in awe and mesmerized about what he did. Yes, and it's crazy because Caleb Williams is like three times better. It's it's he's it, it's, he's on another planet, and yes, somebody in the chat said like cool it with the uh, with the Patrick Mahomes comparisons. I will not because I watch Patrick Mahomes every Sunday. I watch Patrick Mahomes closely because. I work for a company that covers the NFL and that covers the Chiefs specifically it's very not, heavily. Like Kirk Herbstreit said, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick you know what Mahomes. I mean? That is the comparison for Caleb Williams. It is the closest comparison for Caleb Williams. It is the only comparison for Caleb Williams. It is that level of talent, of impro- improvisation, of 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 just ability to be at that other level. That is what he is. And will he be able to carry that forward? Um, you know, when he gets to the NFL, I don't know. You never know what the NFL, but what we're watching is spectacular. It is, yeah. it is on, it is just something that I have never seen from a quarterback in Cardinal and gold to be certain. And right. it's something that I've only ever seen from one other quarterback. And that is Caleb. And that is Patrick Mahomes. That's not to say that like Caleb Williams is better than I mean, Aaron Rodgers or something. Mike it's Vick just, existed. Yes, Mike Vick, but uh, I didn't watch a lot of Mike Vick to be fair. So, like, there's that. Um, also, there's sort of a different different dynamic uh, of Caleb Williams is closer to Patrick Mahomes in the in the sense of quarterbacking has changed since Mike Vick was yes, was doing his for thing. Sure. So it is a different sort of comparison. Yeah, Mal- uh, Malcolm in the chat said that Caleb's different than Reggie because and because Reggie was more twitchy and, yes. and more dynamic and all those things. Yeah, I'm not con- comparing them literally as runners. It's about that. Reggie is is completely different. It's about greatness. It, when you watch a player and you experience greatness. For, for me, it's the the sense of like anything could happen here. Um, but because yeah, as a pure runner, like nobody's going to ever touch Reggie ever. Yeah. Um, but uh, just in terms of like what could happen, like Caleb Williams has the ball. It's like oh my god, anything could happen on this play. And unlike Sam Darnold's. He doesn't make them a, a turnover is not one of the, this the is, things that you consider. Honestly, and this is the thing that I don't think the d- thing I definitely didn't expect. I knew Caleb Williams was a really good quarterback. Yeah. But also when he came out of out of Oklahoma, what I remembered was really, really good quarterback potential, but still not the finished article, still had some work to do. What I didn't expect 
is for Caleb Williams to come in and be able to have the ceiling that he has on an individual play and game basis. Well, it goes back to the control thing. But Caleb Williams' floor is higher than any quarterback I can remember at USC. And his ceiling doesn't affect his floor. No, no, his ceiling doesn't affect his floor. He still, he does not make it. The mistakes he makes are like, Caleb, you held the ball too long trying to make too big of a play. You should have just dumped the ball off to Austin Jones initially. Like, yeah, that's the mistake, this mistake that Caleb makes. Like, twice a game, maybe. He'll take a sack that you don't want him to take once or twice a game, maybe. Like, right. when you think about guys like um, the sort of dynamic quarterbacks that USC has seen in the past, the Sam Darnolds, the Mark Sanchez, the guy who we, the guys who we talked about having like the it factor, their floors were very low because part of the it factor thing is just being almost a little bit too flamboyant sometimes, almost a little bit too risk taking at times. That is the opposite of what Caleb Williams does. Well, that is why he is so damn good. How did he make it through twelve games of a regular season? with an offense that needed to continually push because the defense wasn't going to get very many stops. So they were constantly seeking points. How did he make it through a season committing two total turnovers? And is that correct? Two total turnovers, well, th- three, three interceptions, yeah. three total, ter- three to- total turnovers. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I, it is absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. I, Caleb Williams is not the, the, best runner by the Um, way he's not michael vick he's not as quick as as kyler murray but he is just he runs with more control than those guys um he's a better passer than than those guys he has the strong arm he has all the he just does everything at such a high level that it's and it's crazy and at this point you know i mentioned before that sc was getting the most production out of a quarterback that they've ever had and some people at the time were reluctant to to um, hear that argument, and I sort of tiptoed around saying that SC had the that Caleb Williams was SC's greatest quarterback. It there's no there's no more argument. I'm sorry, Caleb Williams is the best USC quarterback there ever has been. It just is. I and part of that is just because the game has developed. I think Matt Liner. I think Matt Liner would sit here and and he and, would agree and agree him. that Caleb yeah. Williams is a million times more talented than him. Yes, and that's not a shot. That's at not Matt a Liner. shot at Matt Liner no. because Matt Liner to me was no. the greatest quarterback there, at USC has I, ever I had. I saw a comment in the chat that said, "Can you imagine Caleb Williams on this off on the in the Matt Liner offense? Can you imagine the 2005 team in this offense?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like because I was thinking about it today, like what is the one thing that is keeping this team from being better on offense? Um, all Americans it, on the offensive line, and the offensive line has been very good this year. But, but like, I th- I think they might have at least one All American on the offensive line. Yeah, in, but in, like in those 40s. offensive lines had like three All Americans. Sure, so I don't know. I, it's yes, it's having multiple All Americans on the offensive line, and I think the difference would be having an All American caliber if not all true all American running back. The crazy thing is they don't need it though. And no. Austin Jones is as productive as he's been the last two and weeks. Travis died was productive. Like, this before. offense is just the only thing that's the, the, that held up this offense tonight was a couple of penalties. Um, you know, yeah. and, and that's just, that's just how they've been. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the next question from Hunter cam. Um, would we be going for a natty this year? If we had gotten a few, Defensive players in the portal. As he did, USC get a bunch is of de- going for the natty this year. Well, by the way, 
um, we will see. I mean, um, secondly, the. SC did go out and get a bunch of defensive players in the portal that have been impactful. I, I, I think that um, the difference has been there. They didn't go out and get a Caleb Williams in the portal. Yes. And I think that were those guys available at the same type of level? I'm not they sure. Not. Caleb Williams is like the best player in college football, like that there wasn't a, a defensive, you know, equivalent of him. I don't think is, like I don't think it's an indictment on on Lincoln Riley. I don't think it was for a lack of trying on on defense when they brought in Gentry and they brought in Makai Blackman. Makai Blackman has done everything you've ever asked of him, um, and he's been you know stellar at, at corner. Probably deserves like an all conference nod. Um, yeah, I mean yeah, okay. they, they could have brought in more, but the, but at the same time, like there weren't there weren't players so. I've just looked up 24-7 sports uh, transfer rankings from, from last year. These are the yeah. top players in the transfer portal. Quarterback Caleb Williams, quarterback Quinn Ewers, wide receiver Jordan Addison, running back Jameer Gibbs, cornerback Eli Ricks. Would Eli Ricks have helped this defense? Absolutely, because if you get Eli Ricks and Makai Blackman, yeah. you're feeling really damn good about your cornerback. Yes. Yeah. But aside from that, you got to offensive tackle Kingsley Su- Suamatia. Quarterback Jackson Dart, running back Zach Evans, wide receiver Mario Williams, wide receiver Jermaine Burton, quarterback Spencer Radler. Then you get to O'Shawn Mathis, who was an edge rusher who went to Nebraska. So, like, would that have helped USC? Absolutely. But, again, you're still going down the line. There weren't those kinds of players. Like, Makai Wingo would have been the – that's the one. Makai Wingo would have been the one that I think who's the, the defensive lineman who goes to LSU. Adding him probably takes USC up from a this defense is just good enough to not be bad to they right. might be actually be a good defense. Um, but like there was one of those guys available. There was one there weren't line USC needed linebackers. There weren't linebackers. Eric Gentry was the best. Well, Drew Sanders, who went to Arkansas, was the only other like ranked transfer linebacker. So I don't know. The, the, those guys weren't available. Yeah. And yes, USC it's, would be competing for a national it's title difficult. straight up if they had gotten the All American. Well, I mean, they're competing against the national title if and uh, without them. So without them, but also, you know, if they get a stop on a fourth and goal, um, against yeah. Utah, you know what I mean? Or like on the two point conversion. SC's sort of already there. That's the crazy part. Um, Marcelo says Michael predicted to be nine and three, Alicia ten and two. Explain why you were wrong. Apologize and repent. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. go. USC, Trojan family, I was wrong, and I apologize. I boldly predicted 10-2 and for this team. Wow. And I felt like I was being bold, optimistic, and overly homery by picking 10-2. and And I was wrong. I (laughs) underestimated Caleb Williams. I underestimated Lincoln Riley. I underestimated Travis Dye. I underestimated Austin Jones. I underestimated Jordan Addison and Mario Williams and Taj Washington and Kyle Ford and Michael Jackson and Brendan Rice. I underestimated Andrew Voorhees and Jonah Monheim and uh, Brett Nealon and Justin Dietrich and that entire offensive line. I underestimated that this team could come together this quickly to win 11 games and lose one game by one point in Salt Lake City. 
I don't think that we can say that enough, how far we underestimated in an optimistic prediction. And that is the true incredibleness of what USC has done this year. It's stunning. Yeah, I, I mean, I said 9-3. and three. The spirit of my 9-3 and three was that SC was going to have early growing pains and get better. I said SC would win the final, was it the final five games, beat UCLA and beat Notre Dame and feel really good about the end of the season. And, you yeah. know, I think USC, I think you had USC at like four and three. Like, yeah, I, I had SC starting out pretty slow. Pretty slow, yeah. Um, sort of, I had SC having Oregon State season. You know what I mean? Where they, they lose to the, they lose the difficult games. But they finish with a bang. Yeah. And yeah, I I underestimated because it's very difficult to have all these things come together in year one. And SC has absolutely defied what you can do in year one with a rebuild like this. The only team that comes close is Urban Meyer at, at Ohio State in year one. They went 12-0 in 2012. But he inherited a cupboard that was had like way more stocks than SC's cover. Um, he didn't have the transfer portal for sure. Um, but as you know, you look at all the guys that SC brought in the transfer portal, as many as them succeeded, there are guys that you just don't remember came, right? Like, cause SC brought in that many dudes. They had to. Um, so it, it's been, it's been crazy. The SC has maximized everything and I don't feel sorry about my prediction. I think I was reasonably sound in, in my logic, um, SC defied the logic. They overproduced, and that's a big kudos to to Lincoln Riley for what he was able to do. I also underestimated Alex Grinch and his ability to convince everyone on USC's team that they could force every fumble and catch every interception possible. Well, yeah, the, I mean, we, we totally didn't think about them buying the pixie dust for the turnover luck no kidding yeah i want to look back they bought at- the turnover luck um pennant and, and played it every single game like uh that's, like ncaa 07. yes that's literally what they did but yeah. i i, I do want to look back at like the turnovers and incredible for this team yeah scott says can anyone explain why freeman decided to go for two does he have money on this game i don't know you're down 17 it doesn't matter if you go for two or for one Shrug. Maybe I I think it was probably psychological with the team. Just go out and see if you can get another point. Every point possible. I I, I don't know. Uh, Eric says, not sure if uh, you completed the analysis on Caleb's uh, performance with either the black gold or no leggings, but I prefer no leggings. Um, His numbers versus UCLA and now versus Notre Dame are my key factors. Somebody needs to, we need to write this down a reminder. This is an off season project because we don't have time to do it now, but like this is an off season project to, scope out Caleb's numbers with the different socks. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take long. It would take like 10 minutes to yeah. do it, but yeah. So maybe you should do it now. <laughs> uh, and maybe not these exact 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Arthur says that Caleb would just win the Heisman. Yes. I will. I'm reluctant to say yes, strictly because there is still another week of games left. Um, if he has a terrible game next Friday, followed by say Max Duggan. Max Duggan throwing eight touchdowns in the Big 12 championship game or something like that, then sure. But I think that he absolutely put his put his hand on the trophy. I do not think Caleb Williams will have a terrible game on Friday, and I think he has won the Heisman. 
Yeah, Dave the Greater says, what was Caleb Williams' average uh, punt distance tonight? Uh, <laughs> it was an average punt distance of 42 yards along the 58. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. I actually have now converted to an idea that you should just get rid of punters altogether. Your quarterback should be your pooch punter. <laughs> quarterback should trade. It, it's not the worst idea, to be honest. Uh, Dave in Orange County, how great is it to see Austin Jones pick up uh, the Travis Dye mantle and just run like a beast? Absolutely love it. Kudos, kudos, kudos to that guy. Love it. Yeah, he's been everything as he could have imagined and more to pick up uh, pick up the slack. And Ewing Theory out in full force, even though at this point it looks like maybe Austin Jones was maybe the headliner the whole time and we just didn't maybe realize that. Maybe the I don't know. Allen of this season. Maybe. Uh, Dave says, Dave Rice says, LSU just lost. Uh, college football playoff number four, Ohio State or USC? I think it's SC. It's SC. Ohio State um, will fall behind USC because of the Heisman performance from Caleb Williams. USC's resume is very strong. I, I think people underestimate USC's resume at this point because Oregon State beating uh, beating uh, Oregon, UCLA yeah. winning, um, Utah winning means USC has a bunch of ranked wins, like a bunch of them. Most right. teams can't compete with the ranked wins that USC has at this point. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of rank wins there. The other thing is USC's lost by one point on the road. Or Ohio State got pants at home. Just gonna preface this on the off chance that Ohio State is ahead. Doesn't matter. Don't panic because it won't matter. Because if Ohio, if Ohio State is ahead, it's gonna be short lived because they won't have the chance to become a conference champ, and the yes. conference champ thing will bump SC over them anyways. Yes. Um. Josh says, uh, do you know what recruits were in the house for the game? A, a ton. I, I know Mateo Uyangalele. Uh, yeah, there you yes. go. Uh, I saw Chris Trevino tweet uh, before the game. Might have been on Friday. It would be easier to list the recru- recruits who weren't at yeah. this game. Bosco Modern Day was here last, yes. or at the Rose Bowl last yes. night. So. so they were all there. Yeah, packed house. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a... Uh, Tweet from D's Nuts, 07. <laughs> Got him. Is that my brother? <laughs> That's his line. With the transfer portal opening up next week, uh, who do you think jumps on the train ride? In or out? I don't know, man. I don't uh, know. We'll, we'll, we cannot we'll, say. We will we'll have to get there in the, in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, Adam Panoy says, having beaten Notre Dame, given that LSU and Ohio State loss, and that Caleb uh, Williams likely win, wins the Heisman, and UCLA technically didn't win today. Was today a perfect day or something better? It felt like a perfect day. It's pretty close. It felt like I, it. I I would argue UCLA beating Winning Cal was, was more important. Yes. UCLA yeah. beating Cal was good for USC. So, yes, it was a perfect Yeah. Uh, Ron Campbell says, what was up on game day with Herb Street copying out and not picking the winner? He doesn't pick games in which he calls the um, yeah. he, he calls the game. Yeah. Uh, Poncho Cam says, well, the playoff committee find another reason to keep us out of the top four. We talked about like a minute ago, if and only if they're going to give Ohio State like a bone for a week. And I don't think they will, personally. But, but if they do, it remember, it, the, whole, the whole thing is just an exercise to pretend as if the season ended and there's no conference champions yet. So yeah. it's not a real exercise. Yeah. So, so, don't, so don't don't buy into it. The only question mark was LSU beating Georgia. Now that LSU has lost, USC yeah. literally is winning your end. Yes. Uh, Kyle says, what's more impressive, Caleb Williams in a Lincoln Riley offense or Sam Darnold dragging a Clay Helton team to a Rose Bowl victory? <laughs> oh, Caleb Williams is a lot more fun. Let's go with that. 
I don't know. That Rose Bowl was pretty fun. It was pretty fun. Uh, like James says, any update on how the recruits are feeling after the win? Oh, no idea. We'll, we'll find that out. Also, remember, recruiting wins and losses is less about that and more about like atmosphere and, and experience on the visit. So yeah. I'm guessing it was good, but you never know. Uh, Lamont says, question, best way to cap this season? Heisman Trust gives Reggie his trophy back, and Reggie pre- presents Caleb with his. What do you think? Yes. That, that would be... That would be insane. If you want to watch my brain explode in joy, that is what we need to all root for happening. Yes. Uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. with. We did get one more question that I mistakenly unstarred, and I was I double-clicked it accidentally. Um, it was from Dave the Greater asking us about Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Did, had, did you remember what exactly what it said? Was it was asking, something about our Thanksgiving. He today. just asked what we had for Thanksgiving. We had um, a prime rib. And yeah. turkey, gravy, An amazing prime rib, corn uh, casserole, green bean casserole, um, stuffing, pumpkin mu- pie, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, standards. I think standards. Turkey and um, uh, cranberry sauce. The one looks like the can, just mm-hmm. the perfect one. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Some rolls. It was it was a grand old time. Uh, we had a great time. We hope you guys did too as well. Uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up there. Uh, we welcome everyone who has joined us as all. As always, be sure to like the video, subscribe to us. We will be back Wednesday, Wednesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday nights. Don't look for us on Monday. We'll be Wednesday. Yes. Wednesday, Monday nights will be a no go for us, but we'll be back Wednesday with the preview of the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, and we are super excited to cover it. The Trojans, of course, playing Friday nights in Vegas, the Pac-12 championship game against either Oregon or Utah, depending on what happens in the apple cup because of course that game is still going on and i think the uh huskies still winning uh it was 20 uh, the the coogs were up last time um okay uh huskies up 28 27 at halftime all right a lot of points over in the apple cup good times we're in seattle maybe we'll go drive to the to the end of it is <laughs> yeah. it in seattle? Is i have it no here? idea i don't even know who, who knows all right uh, we're out of here uh until next time at least you got a final word Final word is final. Really, really quick. Who do you prefer, Utah or Oregon? Utah. I want. I want Utah. I want revenge. The revenge, I think, would look very good for SC. Yeah, it's more fun. By the way, um, Oregon looks wounded. And Bonex is literally wounded. So. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, until next time, we'll see you. See ya. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.